one. I, I, I don't even know how to respond to this whole service this morning. First of all, thank you, worship team, for creating an atmosphere. Yeah. Thank you. And that's good. We should because their role is not to have a concert, right? Their role is to create an atmosphere where we can connect with the Lord. And they nailed it. Amen? And so, in fact, I'm going to just ask you at the very end, worship team, if you have that song you just sang ready. Um, because bald people like that song, which is, brings me to the next comment. What Pastor Aaron meant was that Pastor Ken and myself both exercise reflecting the glory of God. Okay, amen. Thank you, brother. So we reflect God's glory. We are not bald. That's like a cuss word. So that's number two. Number three, um, wanted to get, to get to let you guys get to know me a little bit before you get to know me. I, I do want to thank you for your pastor, Pastor Ken and myself. I was just reminiscing. This church is 15 years old, right? So I planted a church 15 years ago when Ken planted this church and uh, his lovely family and his lovely bride. And uh, we went, I think we went to boot camp together, like church planting boot camp. And, and then when we were done, I went to the city of Youngstown and he came here to Fremont. And uh, I was 26 years in Youngstown. Working in the inner city there, I, I ran a nonprofit in the inner city of Youngstown, and then we launched a, a multicultural church out of it, and right in the heart of the city, so many great memories. But Ken and I took this journey, come on now, journey church. We took it together. So I think that's why he trusts me preaching. I hope he, I was here three years ago, and I actually preached in your lobby, which was then your sanctuary, and you guys are doing a beautiful job. Look at this group of people. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, you look marvelous today. You look marvelous. All right. Now, I, when you hear that I'm from the network office in, in Columbus, that's the, the Assemblies of God uh, central office there, first of all, you can thank me. I brought this weather with me. You're welcome. I know it, man. I also don't want you to be bitter because I know there's a famous person from this church I had nothing to do with Megan Boyle moving to Columbus. Please don't throw things at me. I, she is two offices down, and I do enjoy her playing tricks on me on a regular basis. Did she do that here? Like, dry, like I drove with her in a car one time. We had a group of pastors. She locked us out and made us do the dance. Did she ever do that to you? Like, she literally locked the car doors and all these great leaders around the state are outside the car and she made us dance in order to get in which was really offensive to me because the only dance i know is a polka so anyways i want you to know that you guys have been investing in the state of ohio by sharing that wonderful person with us and god's going to double anoint you because your kids ministry is the bomb and so we praise that's a good thing that's a compliment and uh, so we praise God for you. Thank you for sharing her. Thank you, Pastor Ken. What a wonderful leader. What a great guy. He was on my lead team for many years. And, and then as you guys began to expand, he said, I'm out of here. But I understand that. Let me introduce you to my family. They showed you a picture real quick. I've been married for 32 years. Um, we have a, a, a diverse family. And there's my little grandson in the front. His name's Jaser. And... And uh, we have six kids, Paris and I. We've adopted three of our kids. 
and God has just taken us on this journey of large family multiplying, and uh, I just wanted to introduce them because they couldn't all be with you. The reason my wife is not here is all those people in that picture are at my house right now, and I only have two bedrooms, three bedrooms, so please pray for us because they brought their dog also with them. So that's where my wife is this morning. But I wanted to introduce you to the Yana family. All right, let's get into God's Word. You guys are celebrating 15 years, and uh, Pastor Ken is kind of revisiting kind of the vision, the mission of Journey Church, why you exist. I love you. I love the name. In fact, my intern, this is Lane. Everybody say hi to Lane. He's an intern with, he goes to SCU Ohio, Southeastern University, uh, Ohio campus, and he's one of our students there. He interns with me. As we were praying for you on the way up, you know what we prayed? I said, God, I pray that, that they become their name. <laughs> that people that are on this journey to discover Jesus would feel safe engaging the people of this church. That you would take hundreds and thousands of people on a journey with Jesus. How's that sound? Amen. We pray that blessing over you. Father God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for Journey Church. I pray that as the word goes forth, that we would take a journey into a deeper experience with you, Holy Spirit. Because you want to take us deeper and you want to use us in incredible ways. So we just give you permission to continue what was begun in the worship service right now as we share the word in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Okay, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 19. And uh, we're going to start at verse 1 through 7. And uh, I may have a problem here because I forgot to bring my, my Bible. And I, I have a hard time reading the, the, the paper Bible because I don't have my glasses with me. So let's hope that my Bible on my computer pops up. Otherwise, I'm going to have to bring Pastor Aaron to read it. In fact, let me just do that, Pastor Aaron. Can you bring, come up here and read Acts 19, 1 through 7? I got it here, but... He, you know, Pastor Aaron, like, his energy is incredible, isn't it? Like, what we need is more people like him. Would you read uh, verses 1 through 7? I'm putting you on the spot. It's in the New Testament, just to let you know where it's at. Got you. Oh, that Got you. That That's okay. for the bald comment. Go ahead. <laughs> Acts 19, 1 through 7? Yes, please. All right. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Mm. And he said, into, the, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were in all about 12 men. Okay, thank you, Pastor Aaron. Everybody say thank you, Pastor Aaron. Lord, we just pray you stir up the anointing that's already in your word and help it to bury deep in our spirit as I share it today in Jesus' name. Amen. As we're talking about this story, I want to—I kind of want to set this whole thing up by pulling out uh, something I brought with me. This is a lamp. My wife doesn't know it's missing, so don't tell her. But when she gets up this morning and turns on the light, she's going to have a rude awakening. 
this is a lamp, and when you take this lamp, the whole purpose of this lamp is to do what? Provide light in the midst of what? Darkness. See, you're going to preach this with me. I'm used, to my, I'm, I'm used to my church finishing my sentences even before I get it done. I got one person that as I'm preaching, she says the sermon better than me in my church. Lamp is meant to show light. But a lot of times we, we just picture being a lamp and we like to worship the lamp. And we tend to want to worship the lamp and manipulate it. This thing has the potential to have light, but it's not showing any light because there's a problem with this lamp. What's the problem with the lamp? It needs to be what? Plugged in to the power source, right? So in order to have, in order to have a lamp that shines, you got to plug into the power source. I'm going somewhere with this. Um, as soon as I plug it in. Okay. So there we go. We got a lamp that's plugged in, but it's still not working. Why is it not working? It needs a bulb. So we need a power source. We need a bulb. And um, I got one. I got one. I got a bulb. So we need a power source. We need a bulb. And I'm putting a bulb in. There we go. Got a bulb. Okay. We still don't have light. Why don't we have light? <laughs> oh, thanks for your help. What's your name again? I love Joel. Like, he's going to start a new group called the Barefoot Disciple. <laughs> you got to activate this thing, right? Oh, come on, Jesus. All right, there we go. We got a light. So in order to have light from this lamp, in order to illuminate darkness, you got to have a power source, <laughs> Right? you got to have a vessel, you have to have an illumination, and you got to activate that thing. This is what I want to talk about today, because the lamp represents you and me, that Jesus intends for us to shine our light in dark places. The power is the Holy Spirit that God has gifted to us upon receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, he has downloaded into us his very presence, his very DNA. The power of the Holy Spirit dwells in us. I could talk about that all day long. The bulb is the gospel. It's the expression of good news in a bad news world. And how many of you know this world has got a lot of bad news going on? You are God's message to this world. So the good news needs to shine. Now you're noticing, you could see this light, but imagine how much brighter it would be if we turned the lights off in this room and we were in the dark. This thing would really shine because light is meant to shine where? In darkness. Now, I'm getting somewhere with this. The ball represents the gospel, but the switch is what activates the power of the Holy Spirit through the vessel to manifest the gospel in dark places. And the switch represents your relationship with God through prayer and the Holy Spirit. Amen? So as you're looking at this lamp, I want to talk to you about our relationship with the Holy Spirit because there needs to be a connection, there needs to be an activation, and there needs to be an expression of the Holy Spirit in our lives if the world is ever going to see light in the midst of darkness. 
And the most, and, and if I could pick on the church a little bit, because I am a pastor, that, that what concerns me most is that we spend a lot of energy and effort shining lights in lighted places. <laughs> we need to take light into the darkness. Now, you may be thinking, I don't know about you, but that intimidates me a little bit. Like when I was in school, when I was your people's age over there, which was about five, six years ago, when, when I was in school, why are you laughing at the man of God? When I was in school, like I was intimidated to shine my light, Pastor Aaron. Just totally, in, I was shy, I was backward. I was this, this kid that was like trying to find my place in the world. I was the awkward kid who was like, I was kind of an athlete, but never, I got cut by the basketball team because I haven't grown since seventh grade. So I was kind of an athlete, didn't fit in there. I was kind of a nerd, I was pretty smart. But the people that were getting full-fledged scholarships always got better grades than me. I, I was, I was kind of good-looking. I thought I was, but every time I tried to date somebody, they would remind me that I wasn't good-looking enough. You know what I'm saying? Like trying to find my place in the world, trying to fit in everywhere. So how am I supposed to shine Jesus? Now I'm really going to be awkward. But then this weird thing happened. I, got, I became a Christian, and the presence of God in my life activated this this confidence about who I was and and powered me up to shine through who I was in dark places I want to talk about how we can activate the Holy Spirit in our lives now Acts chapter 19 I'm going to move quick on this thing talks about really three baptisms three engagements with how the Holy Spirit works in our lives I'm going to hit those real quick, but let me first start with the word baptism, which you probably already know what that means because you are people that are in the church at 8 o'clock in the morning, so you've the got to be the most spiritual people in this church, right? Only the spiritual ones show up at 8 in the morning. Although, I, I can't get sidetracked, but I did not see pancakes or coffee. I Maybe I missed it, but I, maybe coffee's out there, but I didn't see pancakes. Anyways... Where was I? Oh, baptism. Baptism in the Greek means to immerse something, but it doesn't just mean to dunk it. It means to immerse it so that the, the constitution of the, of the thing totally transforms. So it's like taking a, a cucumber and sticking it in pickle brine, and if you just dip it in and pull it out, that's not baptism. That's dunking. That's, that's vinegar-tasting cucumber. But if you buried it in that pickle brine and you leave it in there, the constitution of the cucumber begins to change and absorb the DNA of the pickle brine. And there's a transformation process that takes place. That's what it means when, when we get saved and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in our lives. So I, I want you to understand that the big question that Paul asked the church here that, that he visited was, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's what we're going to talk about today. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? I want to talk about how every believer, God wants you to experience the Holy Spirit in three, three ways on this journey. Got your church in there. On this journey with Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to work in our life in three ways. Just write these down real quick. Starting with verse 3, Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. 
Paul said, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. I want you to understand this is so important that the Holy Spirit will first baptize us into a lifestyle and a culture of repentance. This is really good because we live in a world right now that does not want to own up to anything. Are you following me? And that mindset is creeping into the church to where we're getting to the point where I, I fear that we're preaching a grace that lacks transformation because we're so quick to receive the grace of God that we don't apply it in the area of repentance. Are you, you want to throw me out yet? Because I'm going to walk this journey right now. That repentance is powerful. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It, it's this Greek word metanoia, which means to change your mind, to think differently. This is what John the Baptist did when he told them that they were to prepare the way of the Lord and he would baptize them. He was saying, listen, Jesus is coming. The Savior is coming. And, and I'm going to prepare you by you know, immersing you to, in an in a, in a experience of baptism of repentance. And that's what we need to understand that when, yes, we are saved by grace through what? Faith. See, I knew you were the spiritual ones in this church. The activation of grace to bring transformation is, tra is repentance. And I don't know about you, but what he's talking about here is a constant culture of repentance that transforms the way you think, the way you live, and the way you act. I know I'm talking to believers. But I know that the greatest gift that, I, that the Holy Spirit has given me is the freedom, yes, the freedom to repent of my sins and my weaknesses and my failures. That's power. Don't underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit to work through a lifestyle of repentance. And I just want you to catch that today. Let, let me share just a, a brief, a brief uh, statement here. Um, I'm going to make three statements about repentance, and then i got to move on because i, I got to budget my time. First of all, write this down. Repentance means turning away from the culture of self. Turning away from the culture of self. If you follow the story through Acts chapter 19, these wicked, evil people get saved in verse 18. It says, many of those who, who believed came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number of them had practiced sorcery, and they brought their sorcery scrolls and burned them publicly. Oh, my goodness. Revival broke out. These people that were so caught up in a, this dark culture of sorcery and witchcraft literally turned away and burned the bridges to their past. That's powerful. I got to move on. That's so good, though. Repentance is about sacrificing what we value to receive what God values. They, the Bible says that not only did they turn from their witchcraft and burn their stuff, but it says when they calculated the value of the scrolls, that the total came to 50,000 50, drachmas. A drachma was equal to one day's wages. We're talking about 50,000 days worth of wages. They, they sacrificed what they valued because there's a cost to discipleship. 
Did you know that? I'm going to say, I'm going to make a bold statement. I hope you love me when it's done. True biblical discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus, is in direct contrast to the American dream. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but it's truth. Jesus didn't come to make us happier. <laughs> he came to make us better. Because <laughs> he knows that the more like Christ we become, the happier we will be. And, and, and so this deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me is supposed to hurt. It, you, you're saying, oh, what kind of gospel are you preaching? I'm preaching the gospel that changes your life. <laughs> repentance is about saying, okay, repentance means to change the way we approach life. To totally, Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Let me give you a quick testimony. When I was eight years old, I grew up in a family. We did not go to church. We went to, well, I was part of the Catholic church. We went to the Catholic church. Uh, not very often then. Um, and my dad was an alcoholic. And so I, I was in this dysfunctional family. My dad was an alcoholic. He had grew up in the gangs and back in the 1950s, back when they used to not shoot each other but stab each other. But he grew up in the gangs. And um, my dad was an alcoholic. My parents' marriage was going downhill. And when my dad drank, he got violent. I'm not sure if that's any of your story, but if it is, you know what I'm talking about. And so one, one day, the violence was getting crazy, and my dad blew up at my mom, and I thought he was going to hurt her. So I ran out of the house, ran down the street, knocked on the door of my neighbor, who was a very big man and a psychologist, and I knew he was a Christian. So I figured those three things together got to do something. If, if there's a God out there... So he came to my dad's, to our house. He calmed my dad down. He invited him to a retreat weekend. My dad went to the retreat, and my dad repented of his sins and asked Jesus to be his Savior. You, you say, what's the evidence of that? Because I remember, I remember succinctly, I was kneeling with my mom at eight years old. We prayed our prayers around the bed. We did the rosaries. We prayed to Jesus. And uh, we were praying, and my dad walks in the room. Now, usually when that happens... I get scared, and I did. I got very nervous. My dad kneels down next to me, and he begins to weep. And in the presence of the entire family, he repents before us. My dad was delivered of alcohol. <laughs> he was delivered of two packs of cigarettes a day smoking. He was delivered of having a filthy mouth. He was delivered of running out in the family. We didn't know when he would come back. My dad was transformed through a lifestyle of repentance. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He became a pastor. He became an Assembly of God minister. He planted a church 25 years ago. He now travels at 83 years old. My dad is still preaching the gospel, doing interim ministry at church. That's a lifestyle of repentance. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what God does when we step into that moment. I want to talk to you about the, the second the second baptism that took place. So I, I, I got to pause, though, for a minute before I move on. I believe, I'll just say this and move on. I just believe that you are most free and most powerful 
when you bring your brokenness and you bring your failures, you bring your dysfunction, and you bring your sin, and you call it what it is, to Jesus. That's why I still believe in altar calls. <laughs> Just to give you an opportunity to me, I may, I'll probably do an altar call and join you today. <laughs> because that's who I, that's, that's, we all need a lifestyle repentance. Let's move on to number two. Verse five says, on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. We're not talking about a formula. We're talking about a family. So they went, the first baptism was a baptism of repentance. The second baptism was a baptism of intimacy. Into the name of Jesus. Galatians 3.27, I'm going to read it from the Phillips version. reads like this. Listen to this. Galatians 3.27, now that you have faith in Christ, you are all sons of God. All of you who were baptized into Christ have put on the family likeness of Christ. Wow. Yeah, so you saw my family there. Some of them look like me. Some of them don't. The three that we adopted, they actually adopted us. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, my DNA may not be in them, but the Yano name is on them. And with the Yano name, they know that they'll never go to sleep at night without a father and a mother that loves them. They know that they'll never go to sleep at night without experiencing a parent that prays for them. They'll, they'll never go to sleep at night without somebody to talk to when they go through a difficult time. There's, there's, there's nothing great about the Yano name. Um, that may get you a cup of coffee in Youngstown, but that's about it. But there's something great about a family, isn't it? And, and when you become a part of God's family, there's this thing. He is your Abba Father. He loves you. He's also your Lord. Which means you're not only a part of a family, you're part of a kingdom. Look at your neighbor. If it's a female, say you're a princess in God's kingdom. If it's a male, say you're a prince in God's kingdom. And don't get it mixed up. What I want you to understand is, is when, when it's a kingdom relationship, there, there's this awesome privilege of inheritance and the authority of the family stamped upon it. Imagine if you grew up in the royal family and everywhere you went, I know they're in a lot of drama right now, but I certainly wouldn't mind living in that place and getting to travel the world for the causes that they travel with and just have that name. Like, could you imagine going to a restaurant, I hate waiting in line, there's a two-hour wait, and you just pull up in your limousine, and there's the royal family, they usher you in, come on now, I went to this restaurant in, in Columbus during, have you guys ever heard of the Arnold, they have that in Columbus, about 100,000 people come, bodybuilders and karate people, I was in the bodybuilding contest and did not win, um, <laughs> But I went to a restaurant. It was full of all those people. We had to wait like two hours to eat. But Arnold Schwarzenegger pulls up in his limo. They ushered the guy inside, put him right at a table. I was waiting two hours. So I just walked up and said, who do you think you are? And he said, I must break you. And, he, and uh, 
but there's something in the name. It's the authority. It's the it, it's the it's the connection. It's the intimacy of a family. So when they were baptized into the name of Jesus, the image of God came alive in their lives. The DNA of God was there. The name of Jesus, the authority of that name, all of it belonged to them. And I wonder how often we Christians walk around like we have no authority, like this world is punching us in the gut. This world has no power over the name of Jesus that's stamped upon your life. And I just want to see you understand that when you live a lifestyle of the baptism of repentance and you, and you live a lifestyle of intimacy with, intimacy with Jesus, that yes, he can see your deepest hurts, your deepest desires, your greatest struggles, but he also says, I have given you authority. <laughs> I've placed my authority on you. Everywhere your feet shall tread, I've given you that territory. I could tell you sermons about that and stories about how the authority of God is stamped on your life. In fact, I want to challenge you to use the authority of God that's in your life and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you go this week, I want you to pray a simple prayer. Will you do this? Even if you don't say yes, I'm going to expect you to. God, what are you doing? How can I join you? If you're going to the store, God, what are you doing? How can I join? You're going to school. God, what do you want to do in this school? How can I join you? You're going to work. God, what are you doing in this job place? How can I join? I guarantee you, if you pray that prayer all week long, there's going to be authority on you. You're going to start to get around people, and they're going to look at you and say, man, you're different. What it is about you? Or they're going to come to you and say, man, I'm having a hard time right now. And out of nowhere, they're going to spill their guts to you. Why? Because there's an authority on you. You got something that they need. The power of the name of Jesus. It's a new identity. We'll throw that up there real quick. It's a new identity. It's a new authority. And it's a new destiny. Let me tell you a quick story here. I'm not sure if you have the picture. Have you guys ever heard of Chuck Colson? Who's heard of Chuck Colson before? Yes, all the people over 50. <laughs> because Chuck Colson was, I believe he was the um, White House chief of staff, and he worked for President Nixon. And Chuck Colson, they called him the hatchet man. Like, he was like the godfather of the White House. Like, when, when Chuck Colson came to town, big things. He was going to negotiate on behalf of the president, and he was going to work back, back, uh, back closet uh, deals. And, and when, he put his, when he put the hatchet down, he would just, if you didn't do what the president wanted, he'd cut you off. This man was ruthless. He was also very corrupt. And if you've heard of the white, okay, who heard of the uh, Watergate, Watergate scandal? Raise your hand. Okay, now we're getting closer. Chuck Colson was the mastermind of the Watergate scandal. When President Nixon had to resign, in humiliation, Chuck Colson had to go to jail. So Chuck Colson went from this place of power, the White House, to the jailhouse overnight. Imagine that one. But it was in the jailhouse where he discovered a new destiny. Because <laughs> when he went to jail and he went to prison, he, he was introduced to Jesus. And Jesus became his Lord and Savior. And it changed his whole viewpoint of life. Rather than being the hatchet man, he was the one that was giving the good news to people who had no hope. 
And when he got out of prison, the prisoners that he was with asked him two questions. He, number one, don't forget me. Number two, will you take care of my family? So Chuck Colson started what became the largest prison ministry in the world called Prison Fellowship. And when he died, that prison ministry had multiplied into thousands of ministries around this nation and world. He was the one that literally his ministry opened the door for churches to be able to go to prisons and minister to prisoners. Chuck Colson, a new destiny. That's what happens. See, he had an authority that he thought he was powerful in the White House. But he, had, he, he didn't know what authority was until he met Jesus in the jailhouse. Come on now, there's a good word there. What does God, where does God want his name applied in Fremont? Let's take it there. Amen? Whoever said everywhere, we just like worked in sync. Everywhere, let's take it there. Okay, last one here. Acts 19.6. I know some of you are thinking, I'm just going to tell you what you're thinking. Isn't he from the network office? Shouldn't he speak with more, like, polished and stuff? He's kind of raw like Aaron. But, you know, <laughs> that's why I like hanging out with you. Verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. We got, we got to go there for a minute. A lifestyle of repentance that led to a lifestyle of intimacy and the power of Jesus' name that led to a lifestyle of power. Demonstration of power. He placed his hands on them. And he, and he laid hands on them. And people say, well, what's the big deal about speaking in tongues? Here's the big deal about speaking in tongues. The most difficult part of the human body, human anatomy, the Bible says for God to actually, for us to release to God is the tongue. Read the book of James, right? The tongue will set a forest on fire, right? The tongue can steer a ship. This little thing can steer a ship. The tongue is powerful. So what better way to announce that my power can be man manifest through your life than for God to get a hold of your tongue. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were speaking in languages, heavenly languages, earthly languages that they did not know. It was a statement that even the Holy Spirit so powerful that he can even control my tongue. That's pretty cool. A new message. You say, show me, show me what happened then. So if you go in chapter 19, verse 8, it says, after that took place, Paul enters the synagogue and he spoke boldly for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. So there was this anointing to speak the word of God with boldness. In verse 10, he went, this went on for two years. It doesn't just stop it. The Holy Spirit keeps moving through the, our lifestyle and our language. And all the Jews say all. All the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. There was such an anointing on his life that he was able to speak a message to everyone in every context in that entire region. And he did not have a cell phone, internet, or even an Uber driver. Verse 11, yeah, imagine that. 
God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. He literally prayed for people. In verse, It says he laid hands on people and they were healed. In verse 20, in this way, the word of the Lord was spread widely and grew in power. So there's this experience of being in the presence of the Holy Spirit and activating his power in our lives that causes our light to shine. And I want to just pause and let you understand that the Holy Spirit in our life is not here so we can worship the power. You are not impressed with this orange extension cord. I know that. There's nobody up here getting wowed by the power flowing through that. So let's not be worshiping the power. Hello. And let's not worship the God that brings the power. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't worship the manifestation. Let's not worship the lamp either. Because what happens is we get around people that are powerful people full of the Holy Spirit and we begin to chase their glory cloud. And this is where it all goes wrong. Because we worship the lamp. The only thing that we're supposed to do is focus on the light <laughs> and the activation of that so that darkness is repelled. Let me take you to the day of Pentecost. You guys know the story. Of, you, you know the story of Pentecost. Shake your head if you do. Because you're the most spiritual people in this church. You're up at 8 o'clock in the morning. The power of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. Here, here, let me tell you real quick. They're in the upper room. Oh, if the worship team wants to come up. They're in the upper room. They're praying. They're seeking God. The Holy Spirit falls. And there's this huge manifestation, right? The Holy Spirit just wells up out of them. And there's three supernatural things that take place they said there was like a violent rushing wind like a tornado was blowing through the room i've experienced that in the presence of the holy spirit i don't have time to tell you the story but i've experienced that but that's not the purpose hello and then there were these flames of fire among people's heads and you're probably seeing that right now the glory of god reflecting off of bald people's heads that walk in the spirit but literally, they saw flames descend from heaven and rest upon them. I haven't necessarily seen that. But I've been in rooms where I could almost see the, a heat wave going across the room because the presence of God was so powerful. That's not the purpose either. And then it says they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And we know that these tongues, as they, they were heavenly languages, and then they, they ran out into the marketplace, and then everybody understood them. It'd be like, like me speaking in Greek or me speaking in Spanish, and I don't know the language, but I'm, I'm worshiping God, and they're understanding what I'm saying. And I've seen that happen too. I could tell you stories about that, but that's not the point. The point is that 5,000 people got saved that day. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. When was the Holy Spirit most powerful? Was he most powerful in the upper room with the manifestations? Or was he most powerful when the people who were manifesting his power went into the marketplace and began to shine their light? 120 or 5,000? Or was it 3,000? I don't know. I get mixed up. Forgive me for the number. But I'm talking multiplication anointing here. 
I know Pastor Ken's fine with me saying that God wants you to be filled with his Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues because that's the manifestation of his power. It gives you a prayer life. It gives you an intimacy with God. It helps you walk in repentance. It gives you a boldness and a courage. And, and I'll speak in tongues all day long at this altar and pray in the Spirit. I've been doing it during worship. But when I leave this place, I need to go to the marketplace and I need to, I need to speak in the power of the Spirit to people's needs. So both, it's really important to be in the upper room, the presence of God, so that you can go to the outer room <laughs> and, and shine with the glory of God. Because we are called to reflect His glory. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. Listen to the words of this song, caught up in your presence. Can you can you read me the word the words of that caught up in your presence? What is it? Caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Okay. We, we got we got time. We got five minutes if you do this with me. Because only when you slow down enough, this is why we're here today. Only when you slow down enough and say, God, your presence is more important than anything else. Do you begin to see things in your life that are not of God? And the Holy Spirit says you need to repent. Turn away from that. You're not going to see it if you won't pause. And only when you're in the presence of God and you're sitting at His feet do you begin to understand this intimate relationship that He wants with you. He doesn't want to be an add-on to your lifestyle. He wants to be the center of your universe. It's so awesome having a relationship with God, isn't it? And only when you're caught up in His presence do you feel this burden for the things that God is broken over. You can no longer walk past brokenness in the culture anymore. You, you can't just walk past people in your school who are hurting and no one will sit with them at lunch. There's, there's something that draws you to hurting people. That's because you spend time in His presence. Can we turn this whole room into the upper room right now? I'm going to invite, I'm going to, I am going to invite the prayer team. We got five minutes. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. I'm going to have Lane come. If you'll just stand across the front. But this whole room is the altar right now. Is that all right? Whatever you got to do. If you want to sit, sit. If you want to stand, stand. If you got to kneel, kneel. But some of you just need it stirred up. And so these people who are full of the Holy Spirit are going to lay hands on you. They're going to pray over you. We're not going to coach. We're not going to do formulas. We're not going to ask you what happened. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to get saturated in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So let's just turn this room into the upper room for five minutes as they begin to sing this song. And I want to invite you, if you would like prayer, to come forward. If you want someone to join their faith with yours and just fan afresh the anointing of God in your life, we'll pray for you. Let's just begin to worship. Sitting in God's presence. You may want to come to the altar, go to the aisle, whatever you want to do, but 
make a move physically to get you spiritually connected right now.
front of our mind this week to ask what you're doing and how we can join you. God, tomorrow morning as we're on our way to school or on our way to work or on our way to start our day, God, what are you doing? How can I join you? Lord, even a step before that, on our way to eat, Lord, you've brought this brought this server to our table. What are you doing? How can we join you? Holy Spirit, move through us. In the name of Jesus, may you be blessed. May God minister to you and your family, your finances, your community, your home, your children, your relationships. In the name of Jesus, may there be power. May there be repentance, first off. Intimacy that God would continue to move, that he would continue to lead, that he would continue to transform and to guide each and every one of you. In the name of Jesus, be blessed today. In your holy name, Lord, amen. We love you. If you want to continue to stay here, you can. If you need to go, go in the name of Jesus. We'll see you next week.